Okay. If you love me, won't you say something? If you love me, won't you? Won't you? Love me, won't you say something? If you love me, won't you? Love me, won't you? If you love me, won't you say something? If you love me, won't you? Won't you? Love me, won't you say something? What is up, guys? Welcome to Making Moves with Mikey. I'm your host, Mikey Messina. I hope everyone has been well. If you are new to this channel or new to the podcast, I'd like to say welcome. And if you have been supporting this podcast, I would like to just say thank you. For today's guest, I have a great friend of mine. He goes by the name of Christian Valido. CV is what he goes by, actually. What's up, CV? He's an associate marriage and family therapist, and he's actually a few hours shy from his licensure. He was born and raised in San Diego. He received his master's from the University of San Diego and his bachelor's from San Diego State University. Uh, Currently, he's providing therapy for individuals, couples, and families at UCSC. What's up, CV? What up, what up, man? Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Thank you so much for hopping on this podcast. And a funny story, uh, CV and I actually connected, reconnected through cycling. And uh, we grew up together in the in the dance community here in San yeah, Diego. Yeah. We dance on the same dance teams for quite some time. And, uh, you know, we adulted and ended up doing our adult things. And here we are. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. How's everything been? Everything's been good, man. I mean, you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel with this whole pandemic thing mm-hmm. um, and just kind of getting ready to, I guess, embrace that part while still trying to take all the good takeaways from being in the pandemic, you know, and then quarantining. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things just trending in the right direction. So that's good. Yeah, man. In terms of uh, what I typically do with my guests, CV, I actually asked them how they were able to make moves for themselves. And it can be something that you did maybe this morning, yesterday, or earlier this week, something small or even something large for yourself. So with that being said, you know, how'd you make moves for yourself? I probably think back to just, we have like a monthly work meeting with all my staff. And so without getting too technical, I get the ability to like share clinical notes with patients, uh, which is something that we trying to protect, I was actually able to just find kind of way to set that default to not share was well received by everyone. Got a lot of good feedback about that, I guess. Nice. That was cool. Just, I don't know, being, I guess, some sort of the tech guy and also just making time to work out a little bit more. So like even before this, you know, I made time to jump on the bike trainer for a little bit and just the kind of comedy nerves I'll have about even being here, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I still get nervous till this day, just jumping on and having normal conversation, right? I had like real quick 10 minute meditation session right before we jumped on and you're my guy, you know, like we talk all the time. It's just different when we're shooting it for a podcast or whatever it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I'm sure we've had similar conversations with two wheels between our legs on bikes, you know, and but now we're recording it and yeah. Which leads to the theme of today and and having you as my guest, we're going to be talking about two things. First thing is how to deal with anxiety. And second is managing stress, something that you are a professional with. Before that, though, CV, just talk a little bit about yourself. What got you into this line of work? Got my bachelor's in sociology. Like most people in that field, don't find a job right away. So I was actually, I worked at Tapioca Express for a little bit. And then I switched over to becoming a preschool teacher. 
which is where I met my wife. But then I guess there was a, there was a point there where it's like, okay, I think I'm over this. I need to look into the next thing. And so initially what I was looking at was social work actually, but it was after talking to a mentor where she put me on to, well, you should go can look at being an MFT as well. And so when I was ready for grad school, I applied for social work and MFT at the same time. Got denied for social work, so I ended up uh, becoming an MFT by default. But I guess, you know, it's kind of that saying about like opportunities, you know, with one door closed, another one opens. And I really can't imagine myself doing anything else than what I'm doing now. That's awesome. And right now you are a therapist, family therapist, couples therapist, uh, even for individuals. How long have you been a therapist? I want to say I graduated two years ago. So I guess officially associate for two years, but you know, we have an intern year, so technically three years, how long have we doing it? So yeah. Nice, nice. So first question for our topic today is anxiety. Like what is anxiety? Well, I guess first off, I want to say that anxiety is not necessarily bad. You know, Mm -hmm. anxiety is what gets you to kind of focus on your problems and try to like maybe figure out a solution. It's that point though, where if you let your anxiety kind of be overwhelming or grow too much or think about ruminate on it too much, it becomes problematic. You know, right, right. I looked up the dictionary definition of anxiety and it's, mm-hmm. it seems negative, right? It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. A nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. That in itself, just reading it is like, I never want to get that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you say that there's like a positive, t- it, not necessarily positive. It's not always negative. So expand on that a little bit more. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about, like, imagine yourself being a deer, right? You see some headlights coming your way. If you never got anxious or to the point where we're talking about later or stressed out, you wouldn't think to like move either left or right. You just kind of get stuck and paralyzed which is what happens to a lot of people, you know, their anxiety kind of has them be paralyzed and they're unable to do what they want to do. But it's actually just an anxiety as well that it gets you to move and do something helpful for yourself, such as continue to live. In this case, the example with the deer. Yeah. Oh man, that's, see, that's a good way to think about it. And I guess everybody has anxiety and I've had it ever since I was a child, but I've never been cognizant to it until my adult years. And that's like the last maybe two, three years of my life where, hey, you're getting anxious. Like I'm telling myself that I'm getting anxious, right? Yeah. So leading into that, how is anxiety really identified and what symptoms come with it? So I think you alluded to some of them earlier, you know, uncontrollable worry, excessive nervousness, sleep problems is probably a big one muscle tension, especially like in your neck and shoulders, because that's where we kind of like hold our stress. Poor concentration, probably because um, you're so focused on like what it is you're anxious about that you can't really concentrate on anything else that you're supposed to do. Increased heart rate, stomach issues actually as well. And then kind of like avoidance and fear. Yeah, I connect a lot with the sweating, like I'm sweating right now. As you were speaking, I'm like trying to crack my neck here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. Like, you know, I'm anxious about just doing a podcast episode and the nervousness that comes with it, right? It's not that it's uneasy for me. It's just every time I get to do this, it's, it's fulfilling, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it fills me up with nervousness, right? Yeah. It's fulfilling with nervousness. So 
Yeah. No, I, I, it, everything you got and everything that you had explained is definitely a symptom that I feel myself. So how exactly do you deal with anxiety or how do you help it? Well, I guess there's a couple of ways, but I think the first thing that you want to at least think about before anything is that the goal should really be to manage anxiety rather than just like eliminate it entirely. You know, like you kind of said, um, anxiety and stress itself too is a part of life. You know, if it occurs in, again, like if it occurs in low levels, you know, it's fine. doesn't bother you. You experience it, you can manage it. And then you kind of go about what you want to do. Think about like those butterflies you get before performing on stage, you know, yeah. or even nervousness with taking a test or that anxiety of if you're about to almost rear end the car, you know, you kind of have those, that quick, intense feeling of anxiety, sweating, heart rate racing, but then the moment passes and it kind of goes on. So again, anxiety happens throughout our lives and should be, the goal should be to manage it rather than eliminate it. And so mm -hmm. uh, one of the ways that I like to introduce to my patients is actually this idea that we need to kind of shift our thoughts away from the anxiety specifically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that you can even take a step back and try to think more clearly about what you should do, which is what we call, I guess, like a grounding technique or anchoring. So when you are anxious and or stressed, you'll probably find your thoughts kind of like running around up here. You're not in a state where you can think as clearly as you probably could. Right. And so what you need to do is ground yourself first, and then you can do things like maybe think about relaxation, think about self-care, think about challenging these thoughts. But again, first things first is grounding. And so what I want to do with you right now is we're going to play a little bit of a game. Okay. The game itself is called categories. So we pick a category and we'll take turns going through the alphabet kind of listing animals. I'm already um, feeling anxious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Animal, but, the first thing that came to my mind, I'm an elephant. He, he better not say elephant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're going to take turns though. Um, okay. So Mikey, what's an animal that starts with the letter A? Alligator. Okay. Go with B for bear. Okay. Cat dog elephant okay uh flamingo giraffe uh hippopotamus hmm this is gonna be a difficult one i don't know one with an eye keep thinking about it though just a little bit more uh... okay but that's the point of the exercise right there though is you want to get yourself stuck because as you're thinking about an animal that starts with the letter I, are mm -hmm. you able to think about anything else? No. No. And so at least, at least at that point, you realize you're not thinking about what's making you anxious anymore. And so you have at least that much space to kind of think about, okay, is it helpful for me to keep thinking about it in this way? Or should I think about maybe relaxing or do something else to come back to it? Or should I work on challenging it? And then for I, I'll always go with like iguana <laughs> or iguana. impala, kind of like the car. Oh, man. Yeah, see, you just got me stuck at that point. Yeah, but I mean, um, it, I, I do this a lot, so I get pretty good with animals. So mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. categories, you know, you want to probably use is like, you know, thinking about brands, food right. items, Marvel characters or comic book characters. Or uh, if it's with my wife, we usually do Disney characters because uh -huh. we're, we're all about that. So, you know, just kind of going through different categories as well to kind of help you, again, just ground yourself. It's not aimed at solving the problem, but just giving you the opportunity to do something else about it. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of the idea of picturing your head an elephant, mm -hmm. right? You know, trunks, ears, maybe tusk, the leathery 
kind of color of its skin. And then if I tell you to not think about an elephant, are you able to do that? I'm still thinking about the elephant. Right. Yeah. So again, <laughs> it's you can't tell yourself to stop thinking about your anxiety, stop thinking about your anxieties, stop thinking about your anxiety. But more, it's like, you know, you got to kind of work on replacing that thought. Something like using these categories or what I call the ABC game is one way to kind of at least get yourself grounded to do so. Right. Yeah. If you are anxious, you're probably like up here where it's like not manageable. Mm -hmm. uh, but then doing those things kind of brings you down here where you're like a little bit more better equipped to handle whatever it is that's making you anxious. And also recognizing too that physiologically, it takes a little bit of time for like those feelings in your body to like calm down. So taking a time out or a break, especially when it comes to like couple stuff is a really good idea just because again, physiologically, you're probably still feeling uh, those symptoms of anxiety. No, absolutely. So would you say that one of the first steps to even identifying it is awareness? Definitely, definitely. And for each individual, it's kind of like different, right? Like how each person kind of experienced anxiety is kind of different or like cluing into their, their signs, their warning signs. As a child growing up, our parents were always teaching us to get over it, suck it up, right? If you're crying about something, like get over it, you know? And nowadays we don't live in that method, right? We're, we're more mentally aware of what's going on, which causes you to be in your thoughts a lot and think. <laughs> yeah. But as a kid, it was like that fight or flight moment where your parents are like, well, get over it or, you know, fight it. Right. Yeah. And, but there were no tools behind what that looked like. It was just very black and white. Mm -hmm. So, and like, and like figure it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to maybe a, a friend or a loved one um, or a family member that has anxiety, how do you best support that person or those people? When I think about it for, you know, like my close ones, my loved ones who are like going through it, it's a matter of just trying to remind them to keep things in perspective, as well as, you know, maybe doing something like that ABC game with them, you know? And so this isn't fair for most people just because like I'm in the field. So I like know these things in my back pocket, but I mean, pretty easily though, you can use some strategies to kind of help them kind of like at least work through the anxiety or thoughts. I think a couple of easy ones are doing what we call kind of like worry exploration. Mm -hmm. So that's where you would just ask that person, you know, okay, the thing that you're anxious about, tell me the worst case scenario, then tell me the best case scenario, and then tell me the likely case scenario, mm -hmm. you know? And so in our heads, in order to protect ourselves, actually, we'll probably just jump to the worst case scenario, you know, like, right. what if this goes terribly wrong? But then we, it is a little bit helpful thing about also, what if things go absolutely right? And then also, what if it's just kind of like, okay, like where can you kind of meet in the middle? For the most part, when you're kind of looking at the middle, you'll find that things at least remain neutral. Mm -hmm. Things don't get worse, things get bad, or things are bad for a little bit, but they eventually kind of fizzle out and you're okay. So mm -hmm. you come back to this kind of like state of neutral. And so in just using this worst case, best case, likely case, you know, mm -hmm. asking a loved one, okay, let's say it's a job interview, right? So they're worried about it. What's the worst case scenario of doing this job interview? Mm -hmm. uh, and so what would you, if, if you were that person who was anxious about it, what would you kind of say? They might not like me. I might not have the right responses for the interview or, you know, I might not just be what they're looking for. 
I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I'm always thinking of like the the negative of, of the situation too. Just just yeah. my line of work and whatever it is, I'm always weighing out. Okay, what's good? What's bad? But that in between isn't necessarily where I really think of where to go. You know? Yeah. And so as we kind of do this exercise a little bit more, right? What's the best case scenario of this job interview? They absolutely love me. They hire me on the spot. Everything was spot on in terms of how I presented each answer. And yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you think is that like middle ground between, you know, you bombed it and you got hired on the spot? What do you think is like the middle ground there? The waiting game. Okay. The unknown. Yeah. Which I find myself in a lot because it's the, you don't know if you did well, you don't know if you did bad. You're living in the unknown where it's just a waiting game. Yeah, you're waiting to hear if you even hear back or not and don't really get that feedback of if you do well. But I guess some takeaways from the interview, right, is that while you're waiting, you at least recognize that you had some practice on kind of like spelling yourself, you know, and kind of have a better idea of, you know, how can, what can you take away from this in the future, I guess. I have this conversation with my wife a lot, and it's you thinking back at what you could have done better, but having that conversation to better yourself for that next opportunity, because I'm a strong believer in that the right opportunity will come at the right time, but you also have to be prepared for it and give that 150% in order for you to get that outcome back. I think that question also expands on a plethora of things when it comes to just the preparation and, and, you know, your post outcome in between though, to answer your question, it really is what I take from it to be better for the next opportunity that comes around. I want to say it's Chance the Rapper, you know, how can you turn your L's into the lessons or maybe Mm -hmm. it's J. Cole, but still, you know, I mean, even though it's very kind of like a hip hop phrase, right. But it definitely applies to what what you want to put into your life now, you know, how can you turn your losses into lessons and kind of grow from there? What's something without putting into too much detail, what's something else that you've been kind of like anxious about? Man, this whole injury, the bike accident that I experienced in February, just anxious about when I'm going to get mobility back in my leg and when I'm going to be able to go back to work, when I'm going to be able to just go up and down a flight of stairs without tweaking something. There's just so much that's built up around it. Yeah. But that's definitely something that's been weighing heavy on me the last month and a half, almost two. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's do this exercise with this kind of thing, you know, worst case scenario for you. Worst case scenario, I lose my job. Because you can't because, go back, right? Because I can't yeah. go back. And, and I end up having to stay out a lot longer than expected. Okay. Probably got to sell your bike to me. Um, (laughs) Since you won't be using it, you know? Bummer. Bummer. (laughs) What's the best case scenario? Best case scenario is that I heal a lot faster than what my physical therapist is projecting. And I cut the time in half or even less than that with what they projected for me. Okay. And then what's the, what's, what's probably like the middle ground and like the likely case scenario for you? The middle ground is what I'm living right now. So it's exercising, taking the time to not beat myself up about everything that went on and trying to stay positive, even though there's a lot of things kind of working against me. Um, But I want to say that's the middle ground. 
Yeah. Or as simple as like, you know, like kind of like trusting the process of like healing, you know, right. Right. Recognizing that these things kind of take time and, you know, we're not the LeBron James or Kobe Bryant's where we can repair ACL within like yeah. the season, you know? Oh, <laughs> exactly. That's the biggest thing I need to, I need to definitely put things into that perspective. And I think our listeners or, or people watching this right now may not have known about that middle ground. Cause yeah. I'll tell you what, growing up, I always was introduced to, Hey, this is the bad thing. This is the negative thing. If you do that, this is going to happen to you. Right. So it scares you. It fills yeah. you up with anxiety in a sense. So finding ways to be aware of it, accept it, and then utilizing useful tools to get you past it is what's really going to help. Some things that you don't want to do is just like, the, like our parents always, right? Like, just get over it. Like, that's what we don't want to do. We want to be able to kind of be there for them and support them. And like, it's helpful to ask, like, you know, how can I best support you right now? Yeah. You know, just as simple as that question. They might not know the answer. They might be processing, but I mean, at least giving them that space to kind of like, at least say that. And then if you, if they need help with like, you know, some coaching of challenging the thoughts, try that. Or if they just need some grounding, do the game with them or just kind of like walk through some deep breathing exercises with them. So to wrap it up with anxiety, CV and I were just talking about different ways to be aware of it, uh, different tools to help you understand it help other friends and family get through it best to just cap it off. What would be like a good one to three steps that you would give someone that is going through anxiety or, or feels anxiety? Yeah. I, all right. So if we do three steps, right? First one is going to be do some grounding. Cause again, you're not going to be able to think as clearly if you're like up here. Second step is to take some deep breaths. There's a bunch of breathing techniques, one like four, seven, eight, where you inhale for four, hold for seven and exhale for eight. If you do that, you have to kind of really be present in like what you're doing. So it also creates more space between like you and your anxious thought. And then also through those exhaling breaths is where your body recognizes that you're trying to relax. Mm -hmm. And then another quick one that we haven't talked about yet, I guess just focusing on what is inside your control and outside your control, mm -hmm. you know? And so once you look at a situation and realize what is inside your control, you kind of are better able to let go of things that are outside your control and, you know, think about more what you can do. Right. Quick example. And one I've been doing a lot with a lot of patients just in the last year, but it's just like, you're going to the grocery store, pick up some essentials. And so what is, first off, what is outside your control with going to the grocery store? Lines. Okay. Lines, busyness. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that lately, especially during this time, but uh, not having your items that you're looking yeah. for. What else is outside your control? Uh, them being closed. Yeah. 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 They're hours of operation, not in your control. What about along the lines of like COVID, I guess. What's outside your control with going to the grocery store with COVID in mind? I want to say the lines play a big role to that kind of keeping your distance, Yeah, you know, and not allowing so many people in one area at one time. You can't control that. That's just their rules or policy that they're following at the moment. Yeah. And yeah, just all the different safety protocols that is out of your hands that you kind of have to abide by. Well, yeah. And so I guess the ones that I wanted to like highlight here is like, you know, Outside of your control is you don't, you have no control over how people manage COVID, you know, whether they're going to keep manage their social distancing or wear protective equipment. 
you know, such as a mask or face shield. So then you flip that to what is inside your control. So mm -hmm. a couple things, right? You can kind of choose like when you go to the grocery store, Google Maps has this thing where it kind of tells you how busy it is either historically or right now. So you can kind of look like, okay, historically it's not this busy at this time. So I should try to go then. But then two, manage social distance on yourself. So if someone's coming too close, you do have the option to kind of like step back. Right. It might be inconvenient just because you're, you know, dodging all these people. Um, but still, that's an option to you. And then also you can also, you know, wear your face mask, wear your face shield if that's what you want. Or and keep then, your butt home and just order online. That too, that too, you know? <laughs> or also even like, you know, when you have the option to get the shot too. Yeah, yeah. Choosing to get the shot, you know? There so you again, focusing on things that are inside your control because we really can't control other people. And so using that to kind of also help manage your anxiety in that way. If we apply even that thinking back to your healing, Mm -hmm. right? What is outside your control with your healing? Oh, man, the doctors getting back to me and letting me know when my next appointment is and everything that has to come with just the physical therapy aspect, which I don't already know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and sure. then also, I would add maybe also the rate at which your body heals. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, there's things you can do to help it, which is mm -hmm. what's inside your control. But I mean, like, even then, no matter what you do, you still have to kind of like wait and let your body do its thing. Yeah. You know, and process. yeah. And so inside your control is like attending these appointments with your doctors, mm -hmm. doing the PT, doing the exercise, and kind of just managing even like your thoughts with how you're feeling about it as well. Because mm -hmm. that's another important point too, is like, you know, you can kind of control or you have power to control your reaction to like negative things that are happening, such as your accident, you know? Right, right. No, so again, focus real quickly, right? Grounding, breathing, and then inside and outside of your control. Right. Nice. One, two, three, right there. With anxiety, CV, it really has a heightened, unfortunate connection to stress, which is our second topic, right? And it's managing stress. Other than anxiety that you can think of, at least when it comes to your line of work, what other things causes stress? If your stress kind of goes unchecked, it can really lead to like, you know, like high blood pressure, heart disease, even skin disease, you know, like when people say they break out when they're really stressed out, as well as like depression or diet and exercise can happen just because like, you know, if you are stressed out, maybe you'd rather go get that burger rather than that salad that you have at home. Or, you know, you think about skipping the gym as well as like weaken the immune system and sleep issues. You know, I think about anytime like finals came around, my body was kind of like stressed up and stressed out and trying to like prevent myself from getting sick. But then as soon as I was done, like the next day without fail, I would kind of get like a cold just because my body knows to kind of like relax. And so looking at how even stress affects your like immune system as well. Yeah. yeah. What typically causes stress? Well, I think just like anxiety, right? Stress is a, can be a good thing as well. You know, again, puts that focus where you need to. If you think about, if you think about even just working out, right? Mm -hmm. what you're doing to your muscles when you're like bench pressing is stressing out your muscles so that they can grow. You do it at a reasonable rate and let it kind of heal. You'll see some gains. So it's really, yeah, that stress that can be helpful. But again, if it gets out of hand, that's where it becomes debilitating, you know, and you start mm -hmm. to like neglect yourself a lot of the time or your needs. What in your expertise are good de-stressors? So for each person, that's going to be different, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, but I think in general, though, you want to think about 
how can you be, well, there's this acronym that we use in therapy for self-care. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is just different ways you can use self-care to kind of help you de-stress. It's called grapes. Okay. Um, so like, you know, I got purple, I got grapes. Yeah. Um, so like the fruit. Yeah. Um, and so the first one is like, you know, G, just kind of being gentle to yourself, thinking okay. about where can you give yourself a break? Where can you acknowledge that you're struggling, that you maybe need help? Mm-hmm. You know, how can you go easy on yourself? The next one is R for relaxation. So ways that you can relax, whether that is doing some deep breathing, mm-hmm. getting a massage, or just reading a book even. Right. The next one is A for accomplishments. And so that's just recognizing your wins, you know, no, no matter how small or how big. Mm-hmm. So if you think about your PT, you know, think about just like how far you're able to kind of be mobile now versus when you started out. And then for a lot of people, you know, it could be waking up on their first alarm or I took a shower today. Like those things, like recognizing those small wins as well, as well as big ones too, you know, like your accomplishments, like what have you, how are you different now between like three months ago or a year ago or a couple of years ago, you know, like, so again, recognizing your wins wherever you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is P for pleasurable activities. So things mm-hmm. that you enjoy, that could be for us, that could be biking. Right. For a lot of people, it's like video games, you know, music. I like to actually think about food a lot as something pleasurable. So even though the world kind of shifted away from dining in, how can we still experience the enjoyment of trying new food? Even if you go to the same restaurant, trying some new item that you've never really tried before. And then E is no surprise is exercise. Mm-hmm. So how can you get your body moving, get your body going? Doesn't have to necessarily be a full on workout too, but just even ways that you can intentionally be active. And so what I think about is how can you count cleaning the house as exercise, or if you are going to like Walmart or Target, intentionally parking farther away, just so you can get those steps or permitting yourself to take the elevator up, but then let yourself take the stairs down. So again, just ways you can intentionally be more active. And then the last one for this acronym is S for social. Probably one of the things that a lot of people do when they're either anxious or depressed or stressed is this tendency to like isolate whether they feel like they don't want to talk to anyone because it'll be a burden or whether they I guess, want to like hide it and so not really share. When we say being social, it doesn't necessarily mean go out there and talk about your problems to everyone, which would be good, but also this idea that uh, just being connected to the world. How are you continually like trying to stay connected to friends, close ones, or even just checking in on how like, you know, your barista or cashier is doing. Think about also like social media, like how can you actually engage in that with the people that you're like following versus just following like celebrities or brands. Like how can you get meaningful social interactions out of using social media? To put it plainly though, um, self-care is probably one of the best ways to kind of like manage stress. And again, it'll look different for everyone, but using something like grapes, which you can easily like Google grape self-care and it'll uh, give you probably a pretty good like website or PDF to help kind of explain that. Yeah. And I think at least what I feel would be supplemental to that acronym also is to engage in meaningful actions that that come with all of that, right? Because there's the materialistic things that we hold on to, but at the same time, is it really adding value? And that's the biggest thing too, is what exactly is adding value to you? Is it, is there adding value with continuing an argument or is there adding value with, you know, just holding a grudge, like, or is there adding value with buying a new item when you're probably just going to use it once a month, right? 
So it, it comes with a lot of the meaningfulness and uh, the value in what you do in that acronym, I think is going to be real important as well. Yeah. So, I mean, even, yeah, I guess intention is like, you know, the word that comes to mind. Right. Even if you're just intentional that like, I'm doing this for my self-care, mm-hmm. that kind of puts this idea that you're putting yourself first and you kind of like deserve this time. I feel for most people, when they are stressed out, self-care is probably going to be the first thing that kind of goes out the door. Being intentional that like, you know, well, like I am stressed out. And so I like actually need to uphold these habits, whether small or big, just for the sake of like, you know, putting myself first to better manage these situations. Yeah. So when it comes to that, because I do that a lot, where if I'm stressed, I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm just trying to fix everything else, but not thinking about me in that specific moment. What would you recommend? I guess the first thing I would recommend is like recognize the stress, mm-hmm. you know, be aware, uh, like, like anxiety, right? Yeah. Be aware of it. And then also, so then from there, you want to think about, okay, I am stressed out. Do I have, I guess, the time or space to manage my stress a little bit before I continue to handle my problems or will I have to plan for it later? So again, first step is just even recognizing that you're stressed out so that you can think about how can you, I guess, better manage that in the future. Yeah, I think what comes with it too, and at least I'm just speaking for myself as a challenge, right, is accepting the thing that is actually stressing me out. Let me just bring up myself and my injury. It's accepting the fact that I can't get on a bike right away, nor go back to work. Like, it's hard for me to accept that, which builds up anxiety, builds up the stress, and kind of has me on this emotional roller coaster because it's affecting me, right? I just want to be 100%. I want to be back to normal. But that's what I'm constantly battling nowadays. So let me introduce introduce this equation to you then. Yeah. So it's this idea that pain plus resistance Mm -hmm. equals suffering. This resistance to the pain, like literally like your recovery, right? This feeling bad that you're not at work, that you can't go on your bike, that's all adding to the pain that you're already dealing with. Yeah. So that's what leads to like suffering. If you can at least acknowledge that this is going to be stressful before going into it, it at least helps with the acceptance that like, okay, this is going to suck, but I'll get through it. I think about, I think about for me, like just going to the dentist, you know, something we all should be doing at least twice a year. Mm -hmm. Um, If I go in there knowing like, okay, this is going to make me a little bit anxious, but I've done this so many times, I'll be able to get through it. So if you're able to at least acknowledge that it's going to bring those emotions for you, kind of makes it that much more easier to, I guess, resist with emotions. Um, it's like that analogy that I think of when you say that where uh, boxers, for example, right? Or just fighters. Fighters always say that the hits that they don't see coming are the ones that hurt the most. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you anticipate that you're going into a fight and you're at least accepting of the fact that you're going to take a hit, then, you know, your mind is playing a different game with you. Yeah. It's that yeah. mind body experience where there's two different platforms and at times they clash, right? Like, you know, my yeah. mind's my mind's telling me yes, my body's telling me no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bring up the, I'm not trying to bring up the song. song. Yeah. <laughs> but in reality though, like my mind's telling me like go, go, go. And my body's like, yo. <laughs> you need to pay attention to me because your mind's a little ahead of itself right now. Like you, you need time to heal and 
talking to the body. It's that whole process. Yeah, or just the idea that, like, you know, your mind probably has the best intentions, but there's some level, like, it's, like, lying to you, you know? A lot of times when we, like, live in our heads, we, like you said, are getting ahead of ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is something unique for, I think, human beings as, like, a species. We can even anticipate, like, the stress that we're going to feel versus, like, other animals that kind of just, like, in the moment, they're stressed. They don't think about if they're ever going to be hunted again. When they know it happens, they kind of just react. Right. Um, But for us, we have to kind of work on that. Yeah, going back, pain plus resistance. So it's that resistance that leads to like suffering or makes things worse. You think about, well, not really so much now, but you think about like traffic before. Mm -hmm. If you recognize like your commute is going to involve traffic, you can kind of like plan for it. It's like, okay, well then now I'll listen to a podcast or I'll actually listen to that music uh, or that new album that I've been like not been able to like really listen to. If you can kind of like frame it, it's like, okay, well, how can you turn this into like an opportunity for yourself? you kind of lose that resistance to being stuck in traffic. Yeah, and just complaining about it and hating the 30th an hour drive. And you're like, this usually takes me 15 minutes. But having intention and adding value and meaningfulness with, like you said, listening to a podcast or whatever it is, you know, that'll that'll give it a different light. Yeah, or even, and then connecting this to the other example earlier of focusing on what's inside and outside your control. You have no control over how fast this traffic will kind of pass or how soon you really get to your place. But you have control of like how, how you use your time while you're in traffic, right? you know, or your outlook to it. So yeah, yeah kind of closing the loop there. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, CV, you and I have these talks all the time when we go cycling. So it's always uplifting when we're able to just bounce off ideas and, you know, your world introduce them into mine, vice versa. Now, I just really appreciate you for taking the time to jump in and share a little bit about your expertise and better ways for us to manage anxiety and stress. I want to open it up to you. You know, any social plugs where our listeners or our watchers on YouTube can find you? I don't have very many, but I think as soon as I get licensed, I'll probably be out there more. But I mean, just my personal account on Instagram, codename CV, all spelled has its sounds. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, bringing up these topics as well. You know, I feel like it's a conversation that we need to have more, especially as you mentioned, you know, we kind of grew up thinking those feelings are bad and we just want to get rid of them rather than let's manage them, address them and acknowledge them that something's happening. (laughs) Or or talk about it. Yeah, We're not talking about it. So it just balls up inside. And I feel like listening to this type of content or even going elsewhere to really listen to people talk about it and that are going through it will will help us out. Thank you, CV. I appreciate your time. I know we're going to be linking back soon. I'm going to heal up soon. and We're going to be on the bikes in no time. To my guests, I want to say thank you so much for listening in. I appreciate you guys. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. Turn on that notification bell so that way you get updated every single time there's a new episode. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, go ahead and subscribe on there as well. And if you guys have any feedback or whatever it is, you can put a review on there and that will be greatly appreciated. This is Making Moves and Mikey. I'm your host, Mikey Messina. Peace out. Peace out, CV. Later, man.